G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is one of the final sermons of our What Happened Next series focusing on the book of Acts. And it focuses on St. Stephen and Acts chapter 6 and 7. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Today we're going to look at how the church broke out of Jerusalem. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through our What Happened Next sermon series, looking at the the book of Acts, and we've been seeing how the gospel has been shaking up Jerusalem. It's been growing in numbers and in faith. And it's almost to bursting point. It's just being shaken up constantly. But at the beginning of Acts, Jesus takes his disciples to a mountain, the Mountain of Olives. And um, last Thursday was Ascension Day, um, which is a really big deal um, in many churches around the world because it remembers the day that Jesus took his disciples outside Jerusalem and ascended into heaven. And on that day, he said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses. The word he uses is martyrs. You will be my martyrs. That's what witnesses means. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so, so far, we we haven't seen that fulfilled People have just been witnesses to Jesus' resurrection in Jerusalem. And although Jerusalem is getting shaken up, we haven't seen it burst out yet. But like my can, it's ready to. And it starts today with our reading from Stephen. And Bob did an excellent job of a very long and uh, convoluted reading. But as, as you'll see in a moment, we could have made it even longer. Anyway, it starts with Stephen, and, uh, and Acts 6.8 introduces us to Stephen. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Stephen was chosen from among the church to lead a feeding program for widows, so the apostles could get on with sharing God's word. Here we see how God often calls us to greatness, by humbling us. Stephen is honored to wait on tables, caring for vulnerable old women in his church. He's chosen not because he's got food handling skills. He's chosen because he's full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes Christians uh, can make too much of teaching and serving ministries. Some say we need to focus on teaching the Bible and let other people take care of the needy. Others, on the other hand, say Christians need to focus on caring for people and need to shut up about Jesus. They say pious things like, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Stephen, though, doesn't see a distinction. Our walk and our talk must go together. Stephen is chosen to oversee a feeding program, but that doesn't stop him preaching. Look at chapter 6, verse 10. 
then began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Stephen is young, probably still in his teens, and even though mature Jewish leaders argue with him, the Holy Spirit empowers him to speak convincingly about Jesus. Stephen walks and talks Jesus, but this gets him in, tr- in trouble. Look at verse 11. And then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. Stephen's critics can't argue against him, and so they lie about him and drag him before the Sanhedrin. Remember the Sanhedrin? It's the high court of Judaism at the time. Now, two weeks ago, we saw how Peter and John were also dragged before the same council. And before them, Jesus was dragged before this council. Peter and John were let go, but Jesus was sentenced to death. Jesus was accused of saying he was going to destroy the temple. Jesus, of course, never said this, but he did prophesy that the people would tear down the temple of his body, and in three days he, was ra- he would raise it up again. Sadly, for many people, the temple had become an idol. Preaching Jesus threatened the whole religious system, which centered around the temple. And this is why Stephen's enemies try to pin this charge on him. Jesus was killed for threatening the temple. So let's try and peg Stephen with him. But the Bible tells us that Stephen isn't scared. Instead, we're told in verse 15, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw his face was like the face of of an angel. The Holy Spirit has brought Stephen to this point. It's not an accident. And he's got his back all the way. And what comes next is a bit of a history lesson. And Bob, uh, you did so well with that long reading, but we could have made it longer. There's, uh, there's 53 verses of Stephen's speech. It's the longest speech in the whole Bible. And if you're, if you're part of a small group, uh, if you're part of a St. John's small group, perhaps you would have read, read that through the week um, and unpacked that little. Uh, we're, we're not going to have a full... That full we're not going to have an opportunity to give it the full treatment, um, but I'm going to summarize it for you. Stephen's got an opportunity. He can back off and save his skin. He can deny Jesus and just go back to, to feeding widows. Instead, this young martyr, this young witness won't back down. And starting with Abraham, he takes us through the whole Bible, his whole Old Testament, and shows the people how we should change our minds about Jesus. And he starts at the top with Abraham. Now, Abraham is still the the patriarch, the, the basis for the three major Abrahamic religions today. 3.8 billion people trace their faith back to Abraham, Jews, Muslims, and Christians. We all trace our faith back to Abraham. And this is why Stephen brings his listeners back to their common ground. 
Abraham, Stephen tells us, lived in Iraq until God called him into a promised land. If you know Abraham's story, you'll know that he was a stubborn guy who was a mixture of fickleness and sin, but also incredible faithfulness. Stephen's point here is that without a temple or a law, Abraham changed his mind about God and put his faith in the new thing that God was calling him to do. Next, Stephen tells us about Joseph and his struggles. Joseph at first struggled with pride and the jealousy his elder brothers had of him. But through God's goodness, God made him prime minister of Egypt. In all this and through it all, Joseph changed his mind about God and about God's calling and he saw God keep his promises to Abraham. Next, Stephen tells us about Moses, who again struggled with his calling and with God's people. Moses started out his life in an Egyptian palace and wrestled with the new thing that God was calling him to do. It was only when he changed his mind and opened his heart to God's spirit and decided to trust God that he graciously led the people out of slavery and into the promised land. Grace came first and then the law. Then Stephen shows us how even in the law, God is pointing us to Jesus. In Acts 7.37, he says, This is that Moses who told the Israelites, God will send you a prophet like me from your people. He's showing the Sanhedrin that even Moses prophesied about Jesus all those years ago. By invoking the memory of Abraham, Joseph, and Moses, Stephen is reminding us of how the scriptures all fit together and how God's people had to catch up with God's new vision by allowing the Holy Spirit to change their hearts. Next, Stephen gives the example of the people and how they are stiff-necked and faithless and have always seemed to be that way. As he talks about Moses, he reminds the people of stiff-necked listeners. Even after God freed the Israelites from slavery, they still turned back to idols and away from God. They challenged and criticized Moses and refused to see the new thing that God was doing among them. Then he turns his sights to the temple, and it's possible that he's in the temple preaching there. He talks about how God started with the tabernacle, a physical tent where people would go to offer sacrifices and meet with God. But he points out that this was never a God-in-the-box detail. Only when God delivered the promised land and gave David peace on every side did he give David's son, Solomon, permission to build the temple, a bigger, permanent, physical structure where people could meet with God, but never a box. Stephen says all of this to remind his listeners that it's not laws or buildings that we worship. Instead, we worship the living God who has never lived in houses built by men. The God of the Bible is wild and wonderful and constantly calls us to repent of our attempts to tell him what he can and can't do. Stephen is telling his listeners and us to change our minds and follow God faithfully. 
he finishes with this stinging rebuke. And it's going to be over a couple of slides. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. That's Jesus. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was put into effect through the angels, but have not obeyed it. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, Stephen brings the Old Testament back to Jesus. He calls out how callous and stubborn we can be. Here Stephen is walking and talking, and he's telling the people, the same people who put Jesus to death, that they need to repent and turn to Jesus. They are accusing him of blasphemy, of denigrating God. But Stephen tells them, you are doing exactly what you're accusing me of. And in so doing, he makes a powerful witness. Now, if Luke was making up this account, we might expect him to say something like, well, everyone was cut to the heart, said a prayer, and became a Christian. But instead, this is history. And history is sometimes gory. Acts 7.54 tells us the end of Stephen's story. But when they had heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, while they were stoning him, when he had said all this, he fell asleep. It's a sad ending, but glorious all the same. As Stephen faces the fury of the mob, the Holy Spirit carries him away. Stephen is often called the first martyr. But the word martyr, as we've said, means witness. Chuck Missler points out that Jesus wasn't a martyr because he died. He died because he was a martyr. He died for his witness to Jesus. And the parallels between Stephen and Jesus are fascinating as well. Here are five uh, on this table, and I hope you can see it. Um, on the one hand, we have Jesus. On the other hand, we have Stephen. Both of them cared for, for the, the, the needy and worked miracles. Both preached faith to hostile crowds. Both are taken by the Holy Spirit before the Jewish council. As Jesus dies, he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. As Stephen dies, he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. As Jesus is persecuted, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. As Stephen dies, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. If you go home and read the whole story of Stephen's life, I'm sure you'll find more parallels between him and Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads Stephen to witness to God's glory in his life and in his death. 
Stephen sees Jesus standing in heaven as his great high priest, ready to welcome him home. He falls asleep, knowing that he will wake up at the end of time when Jesus returns to set this violent world aright. There's beauty in this tragedy. If you don't believe in God, you might see Stephen as a deluded boy who should have just kept on caring for the poor. But Stephen wasn't deluded. He's carried to his death by the Holy Spirit. And his witness inspires us today. This is the shake-up that the church needs. Acts tells us that from here, Christians spilled out of Jerusalem and took the gospel with them to Judea, to Samaria, and to Dolby in 2023. And if you still think Stephen wasted his life, notice who is mentioned in verse 59. Saul. Saul is the ringmaster at this mob lynching. But in time, even he will change his mind and proclaim Jesus just like Stephen. Saul will become Paul, who will write much of our New Testament and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so, friends, in wrapping up, I just want to offer three quick applications for Stephen's story for us today. The first one is don't back down on Jesus. There are many forces trying to silence talk about Jesus today, but don't be afraid. God's real, and he sees your real witness. Don't waste your life sitting on the best news in the world. Talk with respect and talk with reason, but keep talking about Jesus. Second, know your scriptures. Stephen knew his Bible even though he was young. And even though his job was to feed widows, he knew his Bible. Don't waste your life thinking that the Bible is just for academics or priests. Read it for yourself. Read God's word every day yourself and share it with others. As you teach the Bible, you'll learn it yourself. That's the great thing about teaching. Finally, don't waste your life trying to be successful, powerful, or comfortable. Don't lose heart and stay faithful. God is still on the throne, and he's still working all things together for the good of those who love him. Our call is not to save the world. Our call is to be faithful witnesses and to walk our talk. The rest is in God's faithful hands. God's got this. Let's witness to him. Let's pray. Loving Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And as we hear about how the gospel broke out from Jerusalem and went on to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, even here in Dolby in 2023, we just thank you so much for the good news of Jesus and that one day, one day we will get like Stephen to see the courts of heaven and to see Jesus standing 
ready to receive our spirits. And so we lift our prayers before you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.